0: Hello everyone, welcome back. This is Julie Bates with the podcast Training the Pointing Labrador, episode number 213. And in today's episode, uh, after some exhausting weeks, I just got back a few days ago from the biggest pointing lab hunt test, I believe, in history. 46 of us running master, I believe. And some of the best pros in the nation is all in the same place. So Actually, it was a lot of fun because the dog work was really good. But anyway, long drive home. Tired from, got another one here coming up. Things are rocking and rolling in the hunt test world all over the place. But I had several, I've had several questions about uh, puppies and upbringing. And that's probably my favorite topic (laughs) of all the dog stuff. I just love that one uh, a lot. And I think that, uh, so I'm going to take on a couple questions basically I'm going to just sort of stuff them together and talk about two aspects uh, of puppy raising that I think are are uh, often just completely overlooked and and are very very important that are incorporated into everything else so if you're if you're whatever you got your dog for I I have a wiener dog I use the same principles with her. Um, even though she's a rabbit hunting and any small edible creature on the ground killer thing. Um, I use the same approach with her as I do with all the pointing labs that I raise and have, have anything to do with. She, uh, s- conventional retrievers doing conventional retriever stuff. And you know our, even our great Pyrenees that we had that guarded the whole place. You know, same approach didn't do exactly the same things, but had the same goals in mind. And so that's what I'd like to, to talk about. I get many, many, many six-month-old puppies in for training. Um, most of them pretty well bred, and, and obviously all the owners always madly in love with them. It's either the smartest dog they've ever had, or the cutest, or the most energetic, or, or something that doesn't necessarily track in my world. But they just love them. And then I get these dogs and it's very obvious on several, on several fronts. Now on the functional front, if there's pointing lab or retriever, pe- retriever people leading to the, listening to this, you know, the retrieving is a big deal. You want to start them retrieving uh, as soon as they're interested and you want to, at a very moderate level, maintain that all the time. In other words, not 50 retrieves at a time because they really like it and you want to tire them out. Wrong thing to do, but keep the the passion and desire to retrieve growing all the time and you do that by doing two or three or four at most. Yes, even you and stop and then either at the end of the day or tomorrow, then you do it again because there's a lot of other aspects to the puppy than just that. And using this obsession they have to get them exercise creates more problems usually than anything else. Because I know people think what somebody told me recently, busy puppy, happy puppy. Well, not if it's busy doing its obsession, <laughs> because then, then that just becomes this sort of crazy fused place in their head that's not focused and simple and elegant the way it needs to be when they actually function. So retrievers need that. You know, my winter dog needed exposure to critters, little critters. Uh, Bird dogs and the pointing guys, the upland dogs, they need exposure to birds as soon as they can grasp and understand it. When you get that stuff going early, right, then it's very, very good for um, uh, (laughs) what you're planning on doing. In moderation, you know, consistently, that's real important. But those aren't the aspects that I'm gonna talk about right now. So that's gonna be assumed. Whatever it is your dog, you got your dog for. Our Pyrenees was here to keep the coyotes and the raccoons and the skunks and stuff away from the bird pens and the dogs. And we had chickens at the time and all that. And so her work was we would do all these perimeter walks, property perimeter walks, all it, every single day. And it, basically she just learned her territory and Everything within that was under her protection and it, it just worked fabulously, but it was a very focused thing and that's what she was there to do and was extremely effective at. We never had a, a varmint of any kind uh, on the property and if one even came close, we were all alerted <laughs> and it, it certainly got away. But what I want to talk about with this is is With all of these dogs, there's several aspects you have to have, and one of them that is extremely important is, built into them needs to be some respect for you and the members of your family. But if you're the primary person that's going to be doing stuff with this dog, certainly has to be you. Respect for that. Respect for uh, your physicality, and respect for your property, and respect for things. Um people that have little puppies that come crashing into them. They just love it they so cute when they're little right and then of course you pick them up So then we're teaching them jump up and get on you and so then you get mad when they're 60 pounds and they're jumping up on you After you taught them that that was the best place to be But they come smashing into you or they just run mindlessly into you Or they just walk right in front of you when you take the walk which every breed of dog on the planet should take the walk every day um I have that several podcasts on just that. but respect for for just like if they were in a pack of dogs, there was, that respect is all prevalent in there. There is a hierarchy and they know who to mess with and who not to mess with and all of that kind of thing. and that is how they are that would be their environment. So it's they fit perfectly well when you have that in place in your environment. And so one of the, the many things is if they just mindlessly slam into you, they can learn not to do that. Just like they would learn not to do that to certain dogs in the dog pack. And they can learn, they can be met with the bottom of your foot. They can be met with the plastic wiffle bat. They can be, in other words, there has to be a consequence, even when these little tiny things mindlessly just impact you. It's again, when they're 12 pounds, it's okay. When they're 80 pounds, it's not okay. So if you teach them from the very beginning to have a a respect for the world around them, they can get that very early. So that means they don't come and step on you. They don't just slam into you. They don't jump all over you. You No, personally, I don't pick them up. Uh, My winter dog, I do because there's no way I get down that far, but I don't I don't pick puppies up because I don't want them ever thinking feet up on me is a good thing And if they never learn, then I never have that problem. It really is that simple But they shouldn't you know I've had a lot of people when I get their dogs in and they're outside and when I let them back into the kennel building They're just slamming into the door with their I mean just mud and stuff slamming into the door That's like what where did you learn that? You don't slam into the door when you want in that's the best way Not only not to get in but to really wish you hadn't done that and so respect for your belongings, your gates, your doors, your porches, all of that stuff. And it's very easy when they're little to stop the behavior before it starts than it is to have it be full grown on a big you know passionate dog who thinks it's just fine because it always has been. So the respect for for you, and your, your body, and your furniture, and moving through the house with you, or through the yard with you, or on the porch with you, teach them right off. And when you go on the walk, you know, in the very first few days, they're just going to be underfoot, because they don't know anything, and they're just figuring everything out. But once they get a little bit older, when a dog just walks in front of you, that is a domination thing, just like if I did it to you. You know, you'd be going, what's, what's, get out of the way. What's the matter with you? But people's dogs do it. They step around. They, step. it's like, no, you know, if you're a hunter, you can't have the dog stepping in front of you. You're ca- well, sitting there carrying a gun. You know, you not don't, there's no tripping, falling, getting slammed into none of that fits in a hunting world. So teach them respect for everything, for the other animals, for you, for the members of your family, all that stuff. And it, You do that 8 to 12 weeks Yeah, you'll be glad you did and you'll do it with every dog you ever have So that's one of the things with dogs that needs to be I think Strongly emphasized. I don't know why I know puppies are a joy That that I agree and they're fun and and stuff like that But they also just like human children in my opinion at least apparently not a lot of the other people in the world They also need to be respectful You know, they can't just do whatever they want, or have whatever they want, or say whatever they want, or destroy everything they want. They have to learn that they live in this society and there's certain boundaries and you do show respect to other people and all of that. So, absolutely the same with dogs. There's just no, there's no downside to it, only upsides to it. The other part of puppy raising that is... I th- I think I'm a trainer, right? I, it's it's what I do. I train zillions of dogs all the time. And when when I get a dog that has been um, I don't know mollycoddled. I mean the, the dog has been it's a very nice dog, it's a sweet dog and it's never been made to cope with something that it didn't like or didn't want or didn't know about. And, and for example, um, if, and this is an extreme example. If somebody just put their puppy in the backyard and it was just in the backyard or in the house, in the backyard, in the house, that was it. And then all of a sudden at, at seven or eight months they had to go to the vet or go to something. Oh my goodness, and ride in the car and go someplace it hadn't been. Some dogs would be absolutely terrified right? because they'd never been exposed to anything but the backyard and the house. And so it's a real disservice to an animal to not teach someone to ride safely in a vehicle and to go places and if they have to wait in the vehicle, assuming the weather's adequate for that, and to do so quietly and to, if they go somewhere with you, if you go to the vet, you know, then they go to the vet and if you go to the Home Depot and they're going in with you, you know, they're on a leash, they're not annoying everybody, whatever it is. So it... If they can learn that, oh, sometimes I'm somewhere I've never been and it's always interesting instead of a terrifying thing. Another thing, and this didn't it used to be a pet peeve of mine, but now it is, is walking on a leash. I mean, in today's world, every dog needs to be able to walk on a leash and not some gizmo that makes it easier to keep them from pulling. Again, cop out of the highest order there But dogs should be able to walk on a leash, to go to the vet, to go to Aunt Sally's, to do whatever, put a leash on them, and they walk with you. Not like a wild crazed maniac, but they actually believe they have to walk with you. And that putting a leash on is a good thing, not a bad thing, and that now they're gonna have to walk with you and pay attention to you because it always brings interesting experiences and new things or fun things, and it's not some torture. When people avoid all of that, how many times I've gotten dogs in where everybody said, oh, we did the walk every day. I never really used the leash because he's so much better off of it. Well, that meant you just didn't want to teach the dog how to walk on a leash. And that's, now the dog doesn't know how to walk on a leash. That's a handicap. And then you're going to have to use a lot more pressure to make them get on the leash and behave than if they'd learned that early on. But, but that's not enough. Those are just examples of what I'm talking about. But there's more to it than just that. I mean, I've, I've. Sometimes I'll take dogs someplace, go to another training place, and get out. And yeah, so, uh, some dogs will just get out and go, cool. Where, where? This is cool. What's this over here? I want. Let's go do this. They're all excited. And other dogs get off and they just stop because they've never seen this place before, and they haven't ever learned how to deal with something really new to them. Same with getting, when a dog is dropped off at a, at a, at the trainers and, and I know most, you know, most dogs are not dropped off at trainers and they're not supposed to be ready for that. But some dogs get dropped off and are absolutely shocked because the way their daily world was before was so comfortable and so known and so predictable and so ever present. That when that changes, their world is rocked. And I mean, some of them are really rocked. Uh, some it takes a day or two and they're going, man, this is awesome. Let's do this stuff. And others, it takes days and days. And so depending on the, the, uh, the uh, attitude, the temperament of the dog, naturally, if you're going to send them somewhere or board them somewhere or do things, it would be really nice if they were used to not always the same exact, comfortable, known, benign, friendly world. And they don't, you don't have to expose them to bad stuff or scary stuff, but sometimes put them to bed early or sometimes put them in their kennel or their run when you've got company. Do, do things so that their life isn't always just this comfortable, easy, breezy thing, so that if it ever changes, because it will. You know, it will when you go to your training group or you travel or you go hunting somewhere and now they're in the back of the truck in a crate most of the time when they're not working. That shouldn't be some devastatingly horrible thing. It should be something that they know about. So puppies, young dogs need to learn to be, I'd say, a little bit more robust about life, a little bit more robust about your interactions with them. You know, I've had dogs that if I just put the leash on them and pulled them out of the kennel, they'll, my gosh, we are just absolutely, the world is over. You pulled me on a leash and I didn't wanna go. And that's just, you know, I'm just sad for them because it would have been nice if they'd known, hey, sometimes you get a thing around your neck and you gotta go where they want you to go. Even if you were sound asleep and really enjoying it. So there's a lot of uh, things to make a dog a little bit more robust. And also when you get into training, when you get into training, something where when they learn something new, it, it's, it's just a, a normal thing for them. Alright, now I'm being introduced to a new behavior and a new task, and it doesn't just absolutely uh, blow their mind. They learn to begin to take responsibility for themselves, I guess is really what I'm saying that they do the work and not you. And a, an example of that, I just was talking with somebody the other day. They said, yeah, I, you know, I get my dog to sit by pulling up on the leash. My, another person in the family gets them to sit by always pushing their body down, bottom down for them. And we don't know which one to do. And I was like, well, let's never do the one where you're doing the work. If you always push the dog's bottom down. And I, the the assumption is they will learn by association that every time I do this, I say this and push them down, they, that it, they should do it. Actually, they're learning that every time you say that, then you'll push their bottom down. Versus every time you say it and you enforce it in some way that they go, okay, I'll do it myself. That kind of thing is very, very important. Because we want them to take the responsibility for themselves, for learning and for carrying out what they've learned. Example I've used and many times and that is I I taught my two kids to drive and then the whole learner's permit for a year and day and night. You know all that stuff. I did all that with them and then they got their licenses and then they had to go somewhere across Denver the other side of Denver and I said okay here's the keys and of course they were like well you know, so-and-so's dad is driving them. They're not making them drive. And I went, you you know, you wanted your driver's license. You learned, I've seen you drive. I know what you can do. You're going to have to start driving a little bit on your own. And that's, and they did. And now they have driven literally all over the North American continent. I mean, and flown all over the world. They've, so they traveled to them was like, yeah, I'll figure it out. And sometimes it's scary and they went anyway, you know, when you go flying international and you've never flown out of the United States before and you're by yourself That and you're young that that could be really hard But I had worked real hard with them to make sure they understood everything first obviously and then all right now you're gonna have to take the reins in your hands and you're gonna have to start figuring this stuff out for yourself and it worked really well. And I feel exactly the same way with dogs. When you have dogs, uh, you literally can teach them, they're not like people, but that it's their responsibility. When I teach you a behavior, when I teach you sit, or hear, or woe, or fetch, or whatever, whatever stuff you're, you're teaching them, when I teach you that, I will very thoroughly teach you that, and then I'm gonna expect you to take it on yourself. And I'm not just going to expect it. I'm going to enforce it and make sure you do. And when I do that, for you technical trainers, I'm going to enforce it in such a way that that you say, I got it. You don't have to do that again. I'm going to do this thing for you. So when puppies are raised doing the things that they're meant to do on the earth and at the same time are taught to be self-sufficient and they don't have to have everything just right to be okay, you know, maybe you're not there And but they'll be okay until you come back, or maybe they're in some place they've never been before, but they're gonna be okay, because it's always okay, and if they're in a, for me now, doggy daycare is not that, and I I know I've insulted doggy daycare so much, Um, and I don't, it has a place, I know, and probably with some dogs, it's very valuable, but if you're using that to either entertain your dog, or exercise your dog, or just have your dog somewhere else for a while. That's a very gang mentality, and it's very uh, more of a chaotic play and play and play until you're exhausted. So the mind is never thinking in any in any linear functional focused way other than waiting for a treat or something and so a lot that is not the mindset you want when you start to want to train them on things. So, doggy daycare can be, for those of us that are really working on intense training of dogs, that's very counterproductive. It tires them out. It does. But it just makes the crazy mind get more crazy. So, um, you know, if you don't have to do that, I would suggest teaching your dog to be in a kennel run, you know, for the day if they have to. Not a kennel, not a crate, but in a kennel run so that they can relieve themselves and drink water and stretch out and move around and and stuff like that. But the other, the, the other, you know, they can learn. All dogs should learn to be by themselves. All dogs should learn to be by themselves. And I know a lot of people just flatly ignore me when I say that. But if you have a dog that's never by itself, and then someday it has to be at the vet because it's getting something removed from its you know, stomach or something, and they're in one of those little boxes all by themselves in this kind of dark room and nobody's around, it's hard on them. And that's really the last thing you want when they're also not feeling very well. So if a dog has learned to spend time by itself, this is a little bit of that robustness. Hey, now I'm by myself. I'm just hanging out and chewing on my toenails and watching the birds or whatever. That's another important thing. I don't care if you have six dogs. Dogs should have to have some time by themselves for their betterment. Not for you, that because sometime when they have to do that or you need them to be over here and quiet They're okay with it and they're not just just destroyed by it. The separation anxiety that I still hear about so much Has somebody's dog has separation anxiety? That is almost always a created situation. Because when the dog was a puppy, you know, they were always just coddle, always there, comfortable life. You were there. Everything was there. Life was comfortable. Here, it's always the same. And then when it's not the same, it's disaster in their minds. And then they, they, people drug them. And they have all these things to do about that. When the thing to do about that would have been never created to begin with, If you're gonna get a dog and if you're gonna get a puppy, I know what the cool side of all that is. It's a lot, a lot of work and it's a lot of investment and you have to take the time every day. I hope to do the walk. I don't care if it's a Lhasa Apso and Central Park to do the walk with the dog every day and to have them spend time alone every day and then to have some, so to give them their job this is what your, you know, your job is. Maybe it's walking with you every day. Maybe that would be their job. If it's a pet, if it's a functional dog, it's whatever the function is. They have to have their job and then they have to have developing the passion for the things they like in moderation. And then they need to learn to be really good citizens. The respect thing, you know, where they don't jump on you and they don't go piling over the couch and I've heard stories, people say, yeah, our dog jumps over the couch, grabs the remote, takes it out in the yard and chews it up. And they're watching all this. And, and I'm just, i just wondering, what what are you thinking while you're allowing all this? Because when you let it fly over the couch, grab the remote, run out the door and chew it up, you're, that makes it all okay. It makes it all okay. And so now what? I mean, what are you going to try to, what, there's nothing you can do. Get the dog a new owner maybe, because that's very, very irresponsible. The dog can just do whatever it wants and you hope that... What was the one I heard recently? I just love this. So you ignore bad behavior and you pay attention to good behavior. And somebody was, was uh, training their highly motivated Labrador that way. And I, as the dog was jumping on them and they were turning away, I said, how's that working for you? You know, which is a a very sarcastic remark, I realize. But I meant it. It's like, okay, so this dog is jumping on you, and if you just turn your back, they're going to (laughs) stop? I don't think so. They're just going to hit you faster before you turn. It's just making a game out of it. I mean, can you imagine that with a kid? And and I guess I think probably a lot of kids are raised that way. You know, they get bad grades. Well, you just ignore it. (laughs) And then if they... You know, or if they steal something, you just ignore it and hope they don't... I don't know. I don't know how that works. All I know is I, you know, I'd like to teach my dogs this is what your job is and this is what your role is and this is kind of how it is and then it's your responsibility to carry it out and I'll support you 100% in all of that. So <sighs> that those are the, the two puppy things and it's if somebody has a puppy and, and they just watch it, it takes some thought Because everybody wants the, you know, the dog training for dummies thing where there's a list of 10 things and you do them and it's all good. I don't know. I've tried forever and I can't find that. But I do know that if I start the little guys and teach them one, hey, respect me and I'll respect you. You know, I won't go thumping into you and I won't step on you and I won't kick you and you don't do that to me either. And then when I speak, you listen and we, you know, we get along and then teach them to be very robust animals so that they can go everywhere. I take my little winter dog, you know, who I just adore, right? She's on the bed with me and everything else and hand her over to her breeder and she goes and runs her in field trials, you know, and she's gone for, for weeks and the dog is fine. (laughs) I'm not. You know, I personally like to have her with me, but she's so into what she does and she's so used to traveling and she's so used to stuff that she's good with that. That's success. And is she happy to come home? Absolutely. But, but she's out there doing her thing without a bunch of weird psycho things, you know, she's, she's just fine. And she doesn't have separation anxiety and all that stuff. So it can be done with all these guys, but it takes a little bit of thought and ultimately it takes really caring about them. So that's gonna be, that's my, my puppy one uh, right now. So it's the end of the season, hunt test season. We're all hitting it hard. I had a bunch of my dogs come in season. There's nothing worse than that. It comes to the end, you got about a month less. Boom, we all come in season. Oh, that's a tough one, but we'll see what happens. So I wish everybody luck. You know, uh, on the Triple Crown thing, in case any Pointing Lab people are here, the that has gone over so well, and there are some very powerful voices coming from the Midwest in support of this and uh, wanting it to, you know, it's going to be in Idaho next year, and then I think they're wanting to pull it in the Midwest the year after that, and people are getting real excited, and I think that they've also found, all the people that have been there and run it and stuff, that it's a very serious set of three days. When you get through that successfully, it's you got something, um, and it you've got something. It is a real testament to those dogs, and to see the support of that uh, all over the country now, and the people that have seen it is is I am very happy about that because it's the dogs deserve it, the people that have created and made these guys deserve it, and the organization deserves it. So I'm real happy, and I, I think I skipped a week because of all this stuff in South Dakota at the gummongous and well run and a lot of fun I had a lot of fun uh, hunt test outside of Sioux Falls and uh, we got ones every weekend almost till the end of the season so wishing everybody well good luck do good dog work and I will be back soon